What's up, homies? What's up, homies? I'm Erica. And I'm Roshane. And as always, thank you so much for hanging out with us today as we dive into another spooky movie. And today we are going to be uh, checking out uh, old, old boy Stephen King again. <laughs> Stephen King. It's almost like the fall hits and all of a sudden the homies... Uh, get into a certain mood, mm. uh, a certain mm -hmm. vibe, if you will. Yes. It's almost like, you know how they have all those memes about defrosting Mariah Carey as mm -hmm. Christmas approaches? Uh -huh. That's us, but with Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah, pulled honestly. him out of the freezer to thaw <laughs> just in time for <laughs> November. I mean, you're not wrong, but I, to be fair, though, to be fair, today's movie has been highly highly requested um yeah probably one of our more requested movies to date to be honest yes um it definitely has been and it's as a so as a result it's been on our radar for a while we've known we were going to cover this for a while we didn't ever really have like a timing plan i would say it was more so just every time it got requested we had already pre-planned something for those particular weeks mm -hmm. um but it ended up working out because yeah i feel like this movie fits well for the end of the year anything with fog or mist or that kind of a weather always makes me feel like fall winter anyway mm -hmm. um so it worked it worked out in me opinion <laughs> no it's, it's true <laughs> and it was uh, I was really happy with this pick, too, because this is a movie that I have not revisited in a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. um, and so getting to see it now with an adult lens was a lot of fun. I noticed a lot more things that I didn't notice before. And um, I feel like there's a lot of a lot of cool little Easter eggs and stuff in this movie. Um, I was I had a good time watching it. I'm, I'm going to just say that from now. I had a good time watching it. Nice. But I'm especially excited to get to discuss it because yes. i know damn well i never talked about this movie with nobody same say maybe maybe in passing of like my feelings on it a little bit but nothing too in depth also the timing was right because it's on netflix i don't know how long it's been on netflix but like eh, let's do it <laughs> i'm, a, it fan. Works, it works. I'm <laughs> a fan yeah if they want to do it to them then they can do it to them because i was like okay great i had no idea this was on netflix until i looked it up so mm -hmm. that a worked out secondly this movie hit a little bit different because for me this time because now where i live when the weather is cold if it snows or if the temperature drops we always get fog over Ooh, the mountains okay. that you can see from our window. And I've never really had too many foggy experiences before moving here. Now, granted, in this movie, we're discussing a mist. Now, do you know the difference between fog and mist? Um, I didn't know I was going to get called out in 4K like this, but um, <laughs> no. Uh, could you please uh, enlighten me? What is the difference? Between fog and mist, I literally only, uh, I just, I looked it up while I was watching it because I, 
was while watching the movie, I thought, why? Now, there is already a movie called The Fog. The Fog, right. So maybe that was why this story needed to be called The Mist. The novella that it's based on needed to be called The Mist. But still, I wanted to look it up just to see like what the difference was. And it's just the thickness. It's okay. Fog is uh, is denser and more thick seeming than mist. If you can mm-hmm. see a thousand meters is the um the measure, but let me see what exactly it was. I think it's if you can't see past a thousand meters, it's fog. If you can, mm-hmm. it's mist. Now in this movie, I will say this shit is fog that's fog <laughs> i was gonna say if that is the case this movie is um, a master class in false advertisement because that fog is thick i've been catfished <laughs> neve <laughs> hi it's me um i've been catfished by <laughs> by, by the, the mist, mist. <laughs> because yeah it's definitely fog and even in the description for this movie they say a very thick mist mm-hmm. it's like babes <laughs> fog (laughs) but i digress (laughs) (laughs) well you know that's still uh it's still a fun little bit of knowledge that i did not Mm -hmm. have before so thank you for that but yeah no this is definitely a fog but we will let it slide (laughs) for the for the extent of this episode just for semantics sake yes yes we will be referring to this by the mist uh, by yes, its name. Yes, we will name. refer to them fog as the mist. We'll refer <laughs> to her done. by her name. <laughs> we won't call her out of her name or anything. <laughs> talking about our necks, but I did want to say, mm-hmm. girl, you're giving fog. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, needless to say, we're talking about the mist. Let us not deter any further um, from the uh, homies who have wanted to hear us talk about it. Let's just go ahead and jump in. But before we jump in, I actually think we forgot to do this last time, um, but we have to go back to our scare scale. Um, how scary that is, is the mist? <laughs> that is Look, true. Yeah, we guys, definitely goofed on that one. <laughs> we had vacation brain. We had vacation brain. We were still like coming down from the from the travel high. Yeah, the, yeah. the travel f- fog. You might say. <laughs> um, but or in this case, the travel mist. The travel but... mist. But I will just throw this out here. Um, Dream Master is not scary to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you guys wanted to know, uh, Dream Master Red is like not a high scare level for me. Um, however, the mist is kind of. Yeah. Where would you where would you put it actually? I'm curious. I actually I actually would put the mist at like I'd put it at like a 3.5 on this scare scale. Mm-hmm. This movie doesn't have jump scares or anything like that, but just the subject matter of it, as you homies know, is scary to me. Creatures, otherworldly creatures and and monsters, you guys know for me, kind of gets under my skin. So I feel like for that reason, it's, it's creepy. But also, too, I will say the scariest thing about The Mist is the interworld politics that occur in this film. I think that that Mm -hmm. reality aspect of it is almost scarier than the horror aspect of it, which I think is pretty common for Stephen King stories. It's usually the reality-based part of it that scares me more than 
the more fantastical elements. Mm -hmm. So I think when you combine those, it's like a 3.5. It's not a screamy scary. It's just a dreadful scary. I honestly, I agree with you. I think like a 3.5 is solid, mostly for the situational horror. Like you said, I think like the different elements of this particular situation that these characters are in um, mixed with the otherworldly forces and some decent gore like it does get gory in places too like mm-hmm. the mist is pretty frightening um it's not yeah like you said it's not all the way up there like it's gonna scare the you know the white into your hair or whatever that saying is but <laughs> uh it's still it's still it's still a pretty scary movie so i think 3.5 is is solid nice Well, now that we've gotten the scare scale out of the way, it is time for us to break this bad boy down. All right, homies, we are entering into spoiler territory, so you have been warned. But today we are talking about The Mist from 2007. This movie was directed and written by Frank Darabont based on Stephen King's The Mist, starring Thomas Jane as David... Lori Holden as Amanda, Nathan Gamble as Billy, and Marcia Gay Harden as Mrs. Carmendy. When the small town of Bridgeton, Maine is ravaged by a severe thunderstorm, many of the locals, including David Drayton and his son Billy, head to the local supermarket for supplies. While there, The town is shrouded by a dense and mysterious mist. One of the locals claims the mist is dangerous, and after a skeptic bag boy is snatched away by an unknown creature, it becomes clear that no one is going home anytime soon. Insert curious tentacles, batshit bible ladies, and a desperate need for bug spray here. Our film concludes with tensions flaring between the survivors as they must make a choice. Brave the mist and try to escape, or wait for rescue and brave the dangers of themselves. Also, thank you, Ollie. Roll credits. Oh, Ollie. Good old Ollie. Good old, good old reliable Ollie. He truly, he truly is. He is the marksman of reliable. <laughs> yeah, such a sweet one. That's how you know that he's probably not going to make it. Yeah. Although, <laughs> although I will say, surprisingly, the people that you kind of hope to make it in this movie do to a certain degree. Not everybody. First of all, there's a lot of characters in this movie. Yeah, there's a ton. There's a ton. I was sitting there watching this movie and I just thought to myself, damn, I wish I would have been an actor in this movie. Because even if you were an extra, you would, if if your character survived past, you know, whatever attacks, Mm -hmm. that's some solid days of filming. That's you being there and actively participating and a lot of the action, whereas most of the time actor extras are kind of just there to fill the space. And it like doesn't really yeah. matter. Like a lot of times when you see extras in movies, you can clock that some of them maybe didn't know exactly what they were supposed to be doing. But that's because there's so many of them. It's kind of irrelevant. However, right. in this movie, if you watch the extras, 
it's very clear that all of them were probably advised just as much as the main actors to react mm-hmm. to certain circumstances. They're all very actively present in yeah. the scenes. And I just think that's so cool. No, yeah, I definitely agree with you. It's very fun to see the people who may not have like a lot of lines or even any lines at all still get to participate in the fun of making the movie and to play such a pivotal role in the storytelling as well, because the community aspect of this is huge. And like, that's like one of the main points of this is what happens to a community during moments of chaos. Mm -hmm. We explore that in so many different kinds of movies. Um, But I feel like the way that that they missed tackles it is a little bit different and a little bit unique. And I think a part of that beauty comes from getting to see all of these people interact with each other, see how their feelings towards each other change over time. Like, I feel like a lot of the best like one liners are between characters that aren't even in like the main group. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, they are in the main group, but I just mean like not like the main characters. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, mostly I'm talking about all the clapbacks and Miss Carmody. A lot of them came from the peanut gallery, and I loved it. But let's talk about Miss Carmody's clapbacks as well. She has some great comebacks. Now, the woman (laughs) is a religious bigot, but boy, is she witty. She is witty. (laughs) Like, there's one particular where um, Amanda's saying, you know, if you need a friend, I'm here. And when she's like, if I ever find myself needing friends like you, I'll have myself a little squat and shit one out. Are you kidding me? Bro, honestly, (laughs) if I was Amanda, I'd be like, ah. I kind of need to get that on my my grave. <laughs> Put that on my tombstone. Dang, that was good. That was good. Yeah, she had she has some sass for sure. I could not stand her no. this watch though. And like I know you're not supposed to be able to, but damn was she grating on my mental during oh, this watch. Oh, 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 so many. And I've never been able to stand her, but we'll talk about when we get into her character deeper i will say i did kind of notice some new things about her character this time that i Mm -hmm. never have before um so and i mean i i think you're right in the sense of all these characters have a lot going on um this is although this movie is over only over the course of two days because it's all centrally located we actually get to spend a lot of time with these characters. That's yeah. the majority of this movie is it's almost like a character study, <laughs> just a character driven mm-hmm. movie that also happens to be a monster movie. Yeah. Like this could probably, I, I, I'm not sure if they already have, but I feel like this could easily translate to like a play or like a theater production. Definitely. Um, if you cut out everything that isn't in the grocery store, a lot of this movie um, would still hold up on the stage, which I think is a uh, a testament to the writing. Because anytime a screenplay can just translate to stage like that, that just gives it this universal appeal. Frank Darabont helped to write this the screen or wrote the screenplay to take it from book to movie. And mm-hmm. now, granted, the story itself also would play very well just for a play. But yeah, I will also say I think he definitely was able to really encapsulate some great moments despite the fact that there's not a lot of movement movement not a lot of changing scenery it could Mm -hmm. very well i think have fallen flat just from book to screen 
but right. it didn't. And as it stands in the movie now, you could literally just take the script as it is and take it straight to the stage. And I feel like it would work very well. Also, Frank um, Darabont is was a writer on two of my favorite like body horror s movies, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, and The Blob. Mm-hmm. This is true. That's what I was, I was almost going to say. Like, it's kind of funny. Granted, we did Nightmare 4 last right. episode, but it was like... <laughs> almost the perfect segue into this movie um but since you brought it up out of curiosity have you read this uh novella i have not i have not have you i know you know i don't read stephen king come on now come on man (laughs) (laughs) come on man you know i don't know how to read I honestly thought you were going to say, you know, I don't read books when you said when you started that. I was like, oh, you right. I was about to be like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not true. But, but I don't know why the way you started the sentence made it seem like that's where you were going. <laughs> no, but like I I'm not a huge like like I said, I, I'm not a huge like Stephen King book person. So I've never yeah. really gone back and like read them. But I'm always like. Since we started covering them, I do get very curious about the differences between the books and the movies. And then Mm -hmm. just from my looking about and reading online, it seems that the biggest difference between the movie and the book is the ending, which we'll talk about when we get there. But that was fascinating to me, just finding that out, that they had two separate endings because... Yeah, I feel like the miss ending is a very well-known ending. And so it was kind of a shock to me to find out that it wasn't the original one. It's an iconic ending. And yeah, it seems like plot wise, the majority of these, both of them is very, very similar. They run the same path, uh, hit the same notes, et cetera, et cetera. Besides maybe characters dying in different sections than they do in the movie but yes the ending is the biggest deviation and also it's very widely known that Stephen King prefers the movie ending to the ending that he wrote and wishes that this was the ending that he would have come up with which I think as a filmmaker has to be some of the highest praise to get because so often I think there's a little bit of a pushback from authors when mm-hmm. their their books become movies now granted stephen king has kind of given all his books kind of free reign to do so but that doesn't mean that he likes every adaptation and so uh now they had worked previously he did like shawshank he, de- he directed that he directed green mile um so this isn't like the first time that they've done that he's adapted a book but still that's a pretty pretty huge compliment i would say oh yeah most definitely um, but all right, let's get into the nitty gritty. Uh, Erica, talk to me. What is in your notebook? Okay, the first note that I have was: Is there a version of this film that starts the day of? And I think that there is. In this movie, it starts with like a thirty-second <laughs> kind of quick show of the storm, mm-hmm. and we see we meet. David and his family, while the storm is starting, we see him painting in his living room. We see them move down into the basement. And then we see like a shot of the storm. And then the tree comes bursting through the window. And then it cuts to the next morning. I feel like that was really unnecessary. I really think they could have just started with them coming out of the house, seeing the damage that had been done, and then them picking up, talking about the storm 
mm-hmm. and we would have known everything we needed to know. I just thought that that was a strange little beginning. I've, I've honestly, and now this might be a lie, but I feel like this is the first time I've ever seen the full that beginning because oh, okay. this is also the first time I've ever watched this movie not on TV, like not just on cable. Yeah, so that's I, true. yeah, I feel like normally I jump in the day I normally jump in when they go over and see that the tree has crashed on the boathouse. Mm-hmm. That's normally where I, that's always where I remember the movie starting and gotcha. then his little conversation with, with Norton. So seeing that quick one minute night before sequence, I was like, they could have cut this out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't disagree with you. I think that it doesn't necessarily serve a huge purpose other than establishing that a storm hit, which mm-hmm. is an important bit of knowledge. Um, there, are, I'm sure there are other ways to relay that information, but with the storm being the inciting incident that gets everybody into the grocery store, I do see a need for it to be in there somewhere. Granted, I do feel like the story feels like it starts the day of. So like in that regard, I don't disagree with you at all. Um, I did find it fascinating though, just like through scrolling through the IMDb that apparently um, Darabont wanted to extend the opening even further before and have it actually start um at the military base where they're doing the um the operation which i think would have been too much but it would be interesting to see in like an extended like director's cut you know what i mean because like Mm -hmm. i do think the ambiguity of the beginning of the mist is one of the best parts of it is especially when you're watching it for the first time not understanding what's going on i think is huge in the beginning so I think giving away too, too much is definitely a misstep, but you do have to lay the groundwork for the next two hours. because This is a two hour movie. So like, yeah, I do think it's important to drop a couple of those pieces into their places, but definitely agree with you. There are some things there that could have been trimmed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yes, I also saw that. And and there is so there's a black and white version of this, mm-hmm. which I kind of the... wish I'd watched, to be honest. I have you not seen, seen it? I have not seen the black and white version yet. It's very cool. Gives okay. it more of a sci fi feel, like okay. an old school sci fi feel. And that is his preferred version, Frank Darabont. I will say if they I think showing it at the military base would have been really cool in black and white mm. because it would have fed into that old school sci-fi feeling. true not no not so much in color i think in color absolutely does not necessarily need to be there in black and white maybe maybe it mm-hmm. would have it would have been a cool way of introducing you into this world and this feel but yeah definitely not in color i think where we start if we're gonna start not on the day of this is the best way i guess of just showing the a quick insert of the storm which looks does look insane mm-hmm. um and then straight from there yeah we basically jump into this story right away we get a little bit of introduction of our family mm-hmm. um don't worry don't get too attached to the wife <laughs> she doesn't make it very far <laughs> no she does not um also captain holtz there aka uh, yeah. Nort, uh which was my first note was hey captain holtz because i do love me some brooklyn 99 yes. being uh, a dick in this movie though <laughs> being an absolute a-hole in this one uh it's actually very funny because one i i sort of forgot that he was norton 
Um, but also because I enjoy him so much in Brooklyn Nine Nine, it took so much longer for me to dislike him during this watch through mm. because like he's very annoying, especially when you start getting the evidence of the things that's happening. He's just like, oh, y'all are just out to get me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, no, bro, chill your shit. Um, right. But he's just so likable. He's so likable of a guy. I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't yeah. get mad at him quickly. It's hard when you really like an actor and see them in a role. It's hard to dis distance them yeah. from other things when you see them in roles where they're not being the best person. Norton's an interesting character, though. He's very much seemingly um, like a big city asshole who spends his time in this smaller town who kind of goes back and forth. Yeah. And... You can definitely tell that him and David have had some issues. It comes out later that Norton sued him, sued David previously and lost the lawsuit. Mm -hmm. And so he's obviously very, very conflict heavy, very mm -hmm. reactionary, like really likes to butt heads. But it's interesting when you meet him because we don't know any of that, really not until later. So it's interesting when you meet him and, and him and David are getting along to a certain degree. He's yeah. kind of really nice to his son. And there is like a friendly, like they say, you know, we're not going to be friends. Let's not go that far. But there is kind of like a camaraderie between them as a result of this devastation that has happened. It's almost seemingly bringing them together. Right. And, and it's weird because... He is being immediately combative when all of these things start to happen. He's really leaning on, oh, well, I follow log like the logical sense. Even if you don't think that there's creatures in the mist, I think at that point in time, he should have admitted that there was something weird going yeah. on instead of being so against it. However, I will say, I do like this idea that kind of starts to get introduced here where he kind of feels like everybody is picking on him because he's an outsider and like that he'll never be accepted in this town simply because he never grew up there or doesn't spend his time there all of the time. Like I like this idea that he kind of harbors a little bit of resentment because people seemingly are always kind of making fun of him behind his back. And also too, why didn't David bring the tentacle in. Out of the loading dock into the actual supermarket. That part, I don't remember that not happening. And so I was sitting there kind of getting irritated that he didn't just pick it up and bring it bring into it. the supermarket to show it to them. <laughs> yes, I agree with you. But also on that same thought, I was frustrated with Nord to not want to just go back there and fucking look. Like <laughs> I under like I understand where he's coming from and why he's combative, but like his him being so adamantly against just going back there was like a step too far into combative territory for me because at that point it felt like it was going against his whole logical thing. It was like you're being illogical right now to not at least look like what in this situation, what harm does it do you to go look? If every one of your thoughts is right, that they're trying to pick on you, that this is a prank, yada, 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 what happens? You go back there, there's no tentacle, 
you all come back out and you're still stuck in a grocery store in an evil mist. Mm -hmm. Like none of that changes. The only thing that may take a hit is like your pride. I was just like, right. I was so annoyed, so annoyed that he wouldn't just go look. And that's what I think that they did do well with that character, though, is that you can tell that he he very much has a lot of pride and a heavy ego. And you can tell that it's already been hit a couple times. Mm -hmm. And I think what they did that was smart with him is he continuously keeps kind of saying this phrase of you want the joke to be on me. I guess the joke could be on me kind of a thing. Where mm -hmm. it almost feels like he has it in his head where if he does go back there and there's nothing back there, th that that would be the biggest hit he could take is to have known that they got away with making him look like a dumbass. Yeah, I feel like that like, is his why biggest issue. now, though, you know? Um, gentlemen, um, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm, I'm just not that stupid. I mean, what do you take me for? I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. It's, it's pretty tasteless using what's happening here to try to make me look like an idiot. No, no, that's not what's going on here. Look, I gotta come back to the loading dock, okay? I'll show you blood, like a chunk of tentacle on the, on, on the floor. No. No, what do you mean, no? Uh, no, we got uh, real problems to deal with here, and uh, this uh, pathetic attempt at a joke has gone far enough. Mr. Norton. What reason could we possibly have? Oh, please, please. This is payback for the lawsuit that I filed against him last year, and you guys are backing him up. So winning wasn't enough, huh? You wanted to humiliate me some more, right? Show me a rubber snake while these these hicks stand around laughing our asses. Hey, what are you calling a hick? Mr. Norton. I swear, you have got us all wrong. You're not too crazy about um, out-of-towners, are you? I only spend my money and I pay my taxes here, and I've seen you talking behind my back. How you all stick together. Well, don't I feel foolish? I actually thought you were being kind to me today. Well, thanks for setting me straight. You know what? And I hate to say this, David, to me, I agree. That shit is annoying. But Norton, on the scale... The match, the verses, I kind of had to be more mad at David for not just go get the tentacle. It's right there. And they and they have this whole argument in the back. Nobody's going to believe us. How are we going to get them to believe us? The tentacle. You have a tentacle tip <laughs> at your feet. No, that's what true. Do you... <laughs> that, that, yo, that is totally true. But... They also have this whole conversation about not wanting people to know, which does go right. out the window very quickly right. after they have their dispute. Like immediately after he won't go back there, he's like, all right, y'all, there's a tentacle monster. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But that would be my only defense for David not bringing out the tentacle initially because he's trying not to cause a panic, trying not to cause hysteria. I understand that because, you know, tensions are already high. People are already kind of freaking out. So I understand not wanting to freak everyone out. Um, but yes, once the argument arose and we were button heads, tentacles right. probably should have been presented. Yeah. It's like, boy, if you don't wrap that shit up like a baby and cradle it in your <laughs> arms at the back of the store. But no, in the end, it ends up being fine because we do get some people who get to see it. Mm -hmm. So it, we end up having some people who do decide to go in the back. But um, so... Once we get to this grocery store, which is called the 
the food house. <laughs> I love that. I love that as a name for a grocery store, <laughs> the food house. But once we get here is where we get to meet everybody that we will be spending time with for the next two hours. Everybody is all here prepping for or getting like supplies because everybody's power has gone out. And I do think that this is a great, there's some really nice subtlety in this beginning. We get hints as to what's going to happen later without it being bashed over our heads and the sense of them driving past the military and having a small little discussion about the Arrowhead project, but not going too far deep into it. And even once we get to the grocery store and you kind of get some senses of, who everybody is mm -hmm. and it kind of leads into how we'll see people act later on but i also think it's nice because i think we also get some subversions of characters where we meet them in a regular day-to-day -day life and it feels like they're a very specific way but then as things get crazier and crazier it really feels like they kind of get flipped on their heads mm -hmm. which is cool and feels realistic to me people are very different in emergency situations i feel like um bud and ollie are the biggest example of that to me because bud is very much like he's the manager of the grocery store and he's very seems type a everybody stay in line this is how things are gonna be and then ollie is kind of steps underneath him right. and then once things start popping up there's like a reversal of their relationship that i always really liked like i like that ollie sort of sort of takes more charge once things are going wrong and bud kind of becomes like the team player yeah uh it and it makes a lot of sense to um especially after ollie goes through the incident in the loading dock like yeah at that point fuck the job fuck the apron <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you think i'm falling in line with rules and regulations right now i just saw somebody get ate up not even by a creature, <laughs> but by the tentacle of a creature. I want to hear mm -hmm. shit from you, my guy. Um, I, I love Ollie's character arc. And um, it really, it stood out more this time around just because I was paying more attention to it. But, like, he really is, like, low-key MVP. This man mm -hmm. is, like, the moment he's on the squad, he is on the squad. He is a true ride or die. And, like, Ollie is there for the team. And I, I really appreciate him for that. Also, really quickly, we'll hop back into it. But... Just don't want to gloss over Melissa McBride's performance yeah. as the lady who walks out. Because, man, love her in The Walking Dead. Mm -hmm. But as um, Miss, I need to go get my kids. I feel like she slayed that scene. Um, a great example of, like, you were talking about characters that aren't part of, like, the bigger, like, grand narrative that just have their little moment. But the way she killed that moment, oh, my God. The subtext, yeah. beautiful. Yeah, she's fantastic. She's only in it for like two minutes. And then we see her again at the end, which was really nice. I'm glad that we did get to see that she was successful in doing that. Um, but, yeah, she, she kills it. She does great. And I feel like it was a good idea. Also, on another note, there's a couple people in this movie that are will have future roles on The Walking Dead. It's obvious that the mm -hmm. relationship that they established with our director and this one carried them over to The Walking Dead. But I think having a character like that was also so nice because we see so many 
moments later on with the fog where it really does seem impossible. I do think it was important to have another character who is successful because it wouldn't have made sense to me if only our main group successfully got through the fog because I do think we realize later it's not like there are consistently creatures just sitting there waiting for you to come out it's kind no. of just the a timing thing and so I do think that it it's nice to to have another character that also manages to escape and it's not just our characters having their little plot armor mm -hmm. um I will say now more power to you you know go get your kids but she really tried to make other people feel bad for not wanting to go with her. Oh, everybody, yeah. <laughs> everybody in the store is, goes, ma'am, we don't know what's going on out there. It's not safe. Everybody's so fucking scared. And she makes everybody feel, feel guilty for not walking her to her car. First of all, how far did you park? Because if that was me, <laughs> if that was me, if I was in this, I kept thinking when I was watching this, if I was in that situation, it would really suck for me if it was a mad dash to your cars or something, because I park as far away as possible from wherever I'm at, because I don't like to park next to other people. Okay. So I usually park pretty far out in parking lots, unless there's not other cars, unless there's like a lot of open spots yeah. at the grocery store, then I'll just park where there's an open spot. But oh, yeah, you would have been big dead. Oh, 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 dead, dead, dead. I would have had to just try and... I would just have to steal somebody else's car who was parked closer. But, but yeah, first of all, where are you parked? Because mm -hmm. if you are me and you're at the end of the parking lot, immediately I'm not coming with you. And secondly, no. Well, just I don't know what's no. going on. And she she even looks at David and, and asks him if he'll take her to his car. He's obviously also cradling a child what is why would he yeah. walk you to your car i feel like she thought in the moment that uh having a kid would have some sort of connection or bond between them be like hey you got kids you understand mm -hmm. what it's like to want to go and protect your kid um, but in this situation it does the exact opposite it's like bitch is my kid right. they <laughs> was like i brought my kid with me <laughs> I, I didn't leave him to the grocery store. <laughs> yeah. Where your kids at? I bring him, or I get a babysitter. What's up? What's going on with you? <laughs> now, but, you know that that one meme of like the the little kid with the cup, just like looking back, like in the with the white shirt. I would have been that kid, just be like, <laughs> I ain't going nowhere. What? Everyone okay? Is, is anyone hurt? Everybody, just stay put, okay? Just stay inside the store. I can't. I can't stay here. I got to get home to my kids. No, no, don't go out there. It's death out there. It's the end of days. Stop it, okay? Stop it. Please, everybody, everybody just relax, okay? He's right. Let's just stay cool. Let's just try to figure out what happened. I'm sorry. I, I can't just stay here. I have to get home to my kids. Ma'am, no, you can't go out there. Could be a poisonous gas cloud. Can you hear that man screaming? I agree. Let, let's stay here until we figure it out. You're not listening. I can't stay here. Wanda's looking after little Victor. She's only eight. Sometimes she forgets she's supposed to be watching him, you know? I told them I'd only be gone a few minutes. She's only eight. For their sakes, don't. Oh, is anybody gonna help me? 
Won't somebody here see a lady home? But it ends up being fine. Yeah, she gets through the mist um, and gets to her kids and is saved later on. So it ends up being fine for her. She didn't need nobody to walk her to her car. Uh, she was an independent woman in the end. And we love true, that for true. her. But yeah, we have a pretty big group of, of characters in this movie. And what I really like is the differences between all of them. Yeah. And how that either helps or hinders our main group. I always love the group that we end up having with them. I always think that it's a cool collection of characters like that, that I mean that don't end up transitioning into the cult, the right. group that, um, that are David's children, <laughs> uh, like the non children of God. <laughs> yeah. The David's angels. That's who <laughs> we end up with. There's probably about what? Seven of them in the end that kind of that yeah. survive and, and stay with, with him throughout my favorite. I think, transition for characters in this though not because i like it but because i think that it makes a lot of sense is the jim and myron relationship mm, yeah. where we have these two people who are really our first auxiliary characters to really realize that something is wrong mm -hmm. and because they are there for the whole tentacle situation and by all means, they were kind of the ones that egged this situation on and ended up getting somebody killed. And so yeah. then from there, it feels like they really kind of fall underneath David and they really trust him because he was the one who kind of reacted best in that situation. And so they both kind of latch on to him. Through everything that ends up happening, though, I do think that it makes a lot of sense that there's falter there and that's what we see with jim jim mm -hmm. ends up completely losing it getting so scared that he latches on to the gospel mm -hmm. <laughs> the grocery store gospel <laughs> whereas myron on the other hand he's kind of stays strong in his confidence in david and I like that they're so similar as far as their characters. It's it's their best friends. They're very similar in their right. mindset. They're very kind of dismissive in the beginning. And they're very much those those people that have obviously grown up in this town and are very kind of suspicious of out-of-towners and always feel like they're being talked down to and, and don't take kindly to that. They're very, very similar in that same way. So I always find it interesting that they both kind of go down different paths. Yeah. And I don't know. I like it. I feel like it makes a lot of sense that one of them would, would fall. Like, I, I feel like that's the only chance we see where our mate, someone from our main group really kind of switches over to the other side because other than him, everybody else really does kind of stay with David. Yeah. And I think the whole situation with the pharmacy was obviously mm -hmm. the turning point for Jim. And I, although I was disappointed in Jim for switching sides, I don't blame him, nor am I like necessarily super mad at him because like, I think in the beginning with, 
with the bag boy situation, which uh, what's that's what's his face from American Pie, isn't it? The Shermanator. The Shermanator. Yeah, Pie? I was like, that's that's the Shermanator. Yeah. Um, I feel like with that whole situation, he was already very frazzled by that, and I think that he definitely took to heart that this was basically his fault, mm-hmm. and so it would make sense then after, like, while in this shock, he would you know follow after David, but then. He follows David all the way to the pharmacy where they deal with some really, really intense stuff. And after that, he's like, well, maybe this isn't the way. And there's only one route I have not tried yet. And this lady seems to be surviving through everything. So maybe there's some merit to what she's saying. I don't fault his journey. I do think that he picked the wrong side. But, Mm -hmm. you know, no character's perfect. They all have flaws. And I agree with you. I do think having a having a um gap occur between those two characters is just a strong symbolic uh a strong symbolic choice for the plot to show just the division between all the people who are still in this one spot because again that is the main point of this movie is watching Mm -hmm. these normal everyday people change over the course of this extreme situation yeah definitely the underlying tone of this whole film and one of the i it feels very similar to zombie films in the sense of there are always two threats the zombies and the people Mm -hmm. it's the same in this there's two threats the creatures and the people and i will say this one doesn't start off like that this one for the majority of it is fine but people don't feel too like too big of a threat. They are annoying, but they don't feel like they could cause anybody true harm. Mm-hmm. And so for a long time, the focus does become on the creatures. And for so many people, I think when, when stuff like this happens, unexplainable events that are completely out of control, a lot of people to not allow that fear to completely overwhelm them try and rationalize it just so happens that they are stuck in there with someone who is the loudest person out of the bunch mm-hmm. who seemingly is pretty spot on with what they're saying and who is kind of giving them hope in a weird way and yeah. so a lot of people falter to that they don't know what else to do they trust david that's the that's the thing about it Issues arise when you put so much pressure on one person to be your answer to everything. And I think that's what happens in this movie. A lot of people look to David to have all the answers in a situation that is completely foreign to them. So when, in their opinion, he fails, they see this other person who has also kind of been trying to take on a leadership role and they falter to her because mm-hmm. they don't know what else to do. They're scared. They've experienced horrific things that I think a lot of people attribute to him, even mm-hmm. though it's not his fault. It seems like a lot of people kind of say, well, this was your idea and it didn't work. And she now she gets lucky. Miss Carmody gets lucky because she's saying a lot of general things yeah. <laughs> that just so happen to end up being true. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people see that and they think, 
she's got to she'll protect me or like she's got to know something that we don't know. And it just becomes a kind of psychosis that slowly moves its way through the store. And I think it's especially for those characters who have kind of been because even we we even have some like side side characters who are on David's side and and they end up dying. But I honestly think had they survived, they would have stayed on David's side. But it's interesting because it just feels like those people that were a little bit more go getters, Mm -hmm. they kind of end up faltering more towards David. Those people who kind of stayed back and allowed things to just happen and just reacted to that. Those are the people who really start to follow her and kind of just like lean into her explanation for everything yeah and i I feel like that makes sense too touching on what you were saying before too because like they are the two leadership roles but one of them really wants the leadership whereas david just wants to get out and go home and find his wife like Mm -hmm. he is taking the leadership role in the moments that he has to but like he's not going into any of these instances being like i want to be the leader it's just like well nobody else is doing anything so i'm gonna do something Whereas Miss Carmody, on the other other hand, is just literally praying for people to be on her side. She she wants this attention. This is what she has been literally looking for her entire life is just to have a bunch of people listen to her ravings about her um, interpretations of gospel. And just like Mm -hmm. she is for the first time in her life, she is the most important person in the room. And she honestly believes that. And mm-hmm. she's got the energy to infect other people with the with the notion that maybe she does have all the answers. I told you God, I thought I was dreaming her voice. No dream. She's getting people whipped up. That poor girl is dead. And that boy is burnt in the back room. She's got to believe in she's a psychic. She has a direct line with God. Why wouldn't they? Woman never shuts up. Like those speeches Castro used to make. Molly says you're thinking of leaving. I'm in. No. Sorry. Come on. You saw what happened to Bobby. Mike, I won't do that again. I won't be responsible. You might want to reconsider that. What will keep these evil, these abominations at bay? What will keep them away? The rock will not hide them. The dead tree give no shelter. What will end it? Let me hear it. Expiation! 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 Welcome to Sesame Street. Today's word is expiation. I am very upset with that one particular giant bug for not stinging her because (laughs) I do think that that was the moment where she yeah. truly, that was her Kanye moment, straight up. She really yeah. believed that she was the chosen one because she watched that bug kill somebody else, but not her. Um, and that irked me. That irked me. Yeah. <laughs> no, first, you're right. That's the turning point. That bug doesn't realize it, but he fucked up everybody <laughs> in that moment. He really ruined it for everybody in that moment because, yeah, that is the moment where a lot of people see, oh, my God, she's untouchable. She she faced death and survived and came out the other side in a way that no none of the other people that faced that situation survived. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it blows people's minds. They they 
start to believe her. And now, of course, once again, it's just coincidental that this bug didn't attack her. Now, I don't know what you attributed to. I just always thought it was one of those things where really these are just giant bugs. <laughs> and in the grand and what is it with bugs? It's the same thing with like a bee. If you don't if you don't aggravate it and you just kind of let it do its thing and pose no threat, they won't sting you. They won't you. sting you. What did she do? And she stood perfectly yeah, still. There. Standing there, just basking in the <laughs> basking in the glow of the floodlights, it kind of irritates. Ugh. Here's the thing: I feel bad saying when things irritate me in like these high pressure situations where I'm like, okay, it's very easy for me sitting and watching this back to um, recognize what's happening. But I will say, it kind of bugs me that it takes them so long to realize that they're coming for the light yeah only because only because i would let it i will let it slide with the lanterns i will let it slide even when um myron and jim start to throw all the lights on because they're just doing what they had previously discussed is mm -hmm. just to turn all the lights on if anything got inside what i will not excuse is david picking up this industrial flashlight they like sh the way that they shine it all around <laughs> like it's a spotlight and it's like oh performing live tonight at the hollywood bowl it's the wasps and the pterodactyls why are you shining the light the brightest flashlights through the wind i just didn't understand why they even did that in the yeah. first place it's like oh yeah no let's lead them all to our location yeah even even if it wasn't the bugs like you already established that there are things in the mist aren't you trying to be inconspicuous like why right why are you bringing attention to the fact that there are a bunch of people which these things <laughs> clearly like to eat in the grocery store like it's just right. a bad move all around Come on. And and I mean, once again, we have Ollie coming through. He is the one who realizes that they were attracted to the light when he realizes it's too late. Mm -hmm. But and and the thing about that's so crazy about that is that I never really realized until this watch through is the little pterodactyl creatures that come. They are literally only coming for the bugs. Yes, yeah, they're just eating the bugs. So had the bugs <laughs> <laughs> had they just turned the lights off on the bugs. Which, honestly, I would have wanted to turn the lights off anyway, because I'm not going to be sitting there staring at this bug for too long. And then, you know, if you hear the glass start to break, yeah, whack all the lights back on. Because it's not like they would have gotten in there right away. Like, the glass would have had to break. And anyway, whack, yeah, just whack all the lights on afterwards. And that's another thing that I realized this time. That only reason that that attack, that's the only attack that really happens to them when they're just inside the store. And it's because of the lights and the bugs. And it was like a perfect storm, right? Mm -hmm. And so then Miss Carmody the next day says, there will be no attacks tonight. And she's right. But the only reason she's right is because they don't have the lights on yeah. anymore. They so have there's adapted nothing... to the situation. Yeah. She's right by circumstance. Ah, this lady. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Marsha Gay Harden is killing it. In She's this slaying movie. it. Like she the, is killing it. To invoke these levels of emotions from a fictional character, you had to have slayed that role. It's just yeah. like it's infuriating. And like at some point, I'm just more mad at the people standing there listening to her than I am actually upset at her. her. <laughs> Especially yeah. Mr. Butcher guy who just decides, you know what? It's killing time. I'm gonna start stabbing people. 
he just uh, cosplays as Leatherface for the rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah, he immediately starts killing people and is just totally cool with it. He's like, okay. And so this is the moment that I feel like I never really noticed prior to this watch through is so there's that moment where she's, you know, kind of yucking everybody up and mm-hmm. and getting everybody all excited and irritable about this military guy. Once again, it, they just needed a scapegoat. And right. he just so happened to be the only one that was available at the time. And so she starts to get everybody really riled up about it. What I do think is interesting is her reaction to the stabbing when it first starts. Yeah. You can tell that she... She knows. It's like there's this moment in her face where you can see that she's like, oh, my God. Like, like almost honestly terrified at the fact yeah. like, oh, my God, we, we just killed... Like, we're taking that step. We're crossing a line. We just killed somebody. Oh, my God, we did this. This wasn't an act outside of us. We did this. But then it's, it seems like after that passes and everybody continues to yell and scream and shout and as she realize that, realizes that everybody else is okay with it, that's when she says, okay, we're doing this. This is mm-hmm. what I'm, this is my moment. I'm, I, they need me to lead them and I'm going to lead them. And then, yeah, and then she goes forward with it and says to throw him out of the, out of the store. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he gets and killed I, by Larry the Lobster. Larry. <laughs> no, it's I. I agree. That moment was really nice, and I did catch that too. Where it's like the moment when you realize, oh shit, did keeping it real go wrong? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I can't this turn point, back. Yeah. yeah, like I can't turn back here, so I just have to keep going with the mob mentality. It's. I hate her character, but her character is fantastic just for the full journey that it goes on. Um, but as always, thank you, Ollie, because by the time that uh, yes. it's time for her to go, I was ready for her to yes. go. It's so nice when he finally does that. And I just love David's. Thank you, Ollie. <laughs> After he does it because, yeah, you're just waiting for finally somebody. I feel like it's such a, a I feel like she's such a great example, though, too, of this idea of someone who likes the who is really into the idea of being a religious martyr and has taken religious religion to the extreme because i feel like it even shows early on when she's praying in the bathroom and she's saying all these things of oh i just even if i just help one person i just want to save one person even if i did that it would all be worth it right mm-hmm. and then turns right around and talks all this shit to amanda didn't you just say you wanted to help people didn't you just say that not everybody was bad and that surely there must be good and that you didn't want everybody to burn in the lake of hellfire and then turn right turns right around and amanda just basically is like hey can i pee and she's like bitch you stink like (laughs) you're whack you're a slut i hope you burn in hell it's like damn but i feel like that's a great a great example of those types of people who who speak all this bullshit and then spew all this hate 
and yeah. and try and hide it behind the facade of no, it's all love and blah 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 blah. It's all God's will. Yeah, it almost as like it justifies yeah. the things that they're doing because it's like yeah, maybe an asshole, but I'm an asshole for in God. God. <laughs> so. um, yeah, I'm a representative of God, so. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm so glad when she was gone. But again, great performance. <laughs> for invoking those feelings mm-hmm. um some other points uh the pharmacy i know we talked about it a little bit but that scene had my butthole puckered because um <laughs> one you know we 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 cover giant spiders here but we're not fans of the giant spiders here mm-hmm. and so watching the giant spiders tiny baby spiders oh. come out of that brother really uh, didn't sit well with me (laughs) oh yeah they stayed in there a little bit too long for my liking as soon as i saw that man's skin bubbling i would have been doing it about face but (laughs) you know they were trying to get information or hear what he was trying to say and yeah it's very gross when he falls and collapses and all the spiders come out of him and then they have acidic spider webs the audacity to give that's, these giant spiders a power up how dare they that's so much you're doing <laughs> way too much now you have too much you're giant you have human-like teeth did you see that spiders? yeah they had like them dentures they had steve harvey teeth <laughs> that and so you have that and then you have acidic webs how are you why are you all of these things just pick pick one pick a string (laughs) and stick with that but yeah that scene is very very nerve-wracking but that also is a great moment for my other favorite um character miss repler to shine when she makes that Mm. hairspray 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 (laughs) yeah she was truly another mvp character Mm -hmm. i loved her uh mostly because she was she was given that smooth stank over to Miss Carmody. Mm-hmm. She was not there for any of her she bullshit. She did not care. I love when she throws, what is it, a can of peas at her. <laughs> and she says, I can stone you if I don't like what you have to say. <laughs> That's what they did That's back what they then, did right? in the Bible. I, yeah, I love her character. I think she's, I'm always so happy that she survives and at least to escape with them because yeah Mm-mm. i feel like she was she's a great character in the sense of she she keeps really calm and i feel like she is um an asset to them in a different way in the sense yeah. of she's like a very nice calming presence in a lot of the situations and i feel like especially with billy being there it's nice to have another character besides like amanda or david who kind of help take care of billy and Mm -hmm. and are there for him because we also have for a while we have hattie who i guess i always thought killed kills herself because she feels bad about the situation with billy is that what you think what you thought i I just feel like it was out of fear of the situation. Yeah. I don't know if Billy really had anything to do with it more so than just like she didn't want to deal. Like I can understand some feeling of like remorse during the situation where it's Billy up against a pterodactyl mm-hmm. and you know and it was her job. And she's just kind of chilling there. <laughs> yeah, like she was supposed to be the guardian there. Like I could see why she'd feel a little guilty about that, but honestly seeing it this time around it just felt like 
after that attack she was like i i'd rather die mm-hmm. like i'd rather die than deal with something like that again yeah. which unfortunately is a reality i think of a situation like this is like you're gonna have some people who will go down that that train of thought and like it's hard to blame them when you right. witness such a chaotic and disturbing uh night like why why wouldn't your mind go there you know right yeah i mean and after seeing what you're because that was the first time for a lot of people that they were seeing what they were up against mm-hmm. for the majority of the people they had never seen anything they had heard right. things they knew bits and pieces but as far as they knew there was like a tentacle situation and now all of a sudden mm-hmm. <laughs> there are these other creatures <laughs> popping up out of nowhere so i could definitely see how that would be trad like totally traumatic um also i don't know why our good friend did not stop drop and roll when he was on fire he was running on fire for a very long time for a very very long time and at first i was annoyed that he lit himself on fire in the first place like that annoyed me but i honestly like i i had to go back and rewatch a lot of that first attack scene just because it's so chaotic Mm -hmm. and like watching it a second time i don't blame him as much because you know tensions were high feelings were high he was struggling already right he was really he really was and you know what it yeah of course in the grand scheme of things you're like oh man but it was just a once again it was like the sequence of events really had him all the way disheveled because he was obviously in charge of helping light them the first one didn't work and then he tried to go right the uh, light the other one got it but also that i will say they and they realize this later but they had kind of set it up where there was this perfect storm of too much lighter fluid around yeah (laughs) because it took me a minute to realize that the the bucket that the mop was in was full of lighter Lighter fluid fluid. yeah I'm Don't I'm also that. a little shook. <laughs> I'm a little shook that the grocery store made it past that evening because yeah. like when the fire hits, it really does look like it's about to set the entire place ablaze. Yes. Um. So, you know, praise be to those that did actually make it past that. <laughs> night. Um, yeah. Congratulations to them because it was very touch and go. But speaking of the creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, I love these creatures. I think they're so scary. Yeah. I like that some of them, we don't ever really get their full scope. Mm-hmm. Like there are some, like the spider, the smaller creatures, we really do get to see basically what they're about. Like, but the tentacle monster, we never know what that looks like. Yeah. Besides Unless it's the, the big, tentacles. like, Leviathan thing, which I don't think it was. I don't think it is. Only because... Unless it can extend its tentacles. Like how to get all the way down there. How to get all the way down there. Yeah, Unless yeah. it was just like sitting outside. Like, <laughs> just posted up chilling. Had his Somebody six gonna legs. open up this door eventually. <laughs> I, feel I wish I could... you would. I wish you would open it. He had his six legs crossed underneath him and was waiting. But I do think it might be a different. Yeah, creature. I I agree. Cause like, and that's fine too. Like I'm actually happy mm-hmm. for that, that we don't get to see everything that's out there in this mist because like that's part of it too even after it's established that there are things in the mist i think Mm -hmm. it's a very strong play to present this tentacle-like monster and then have the next attack be something completely different because Mm -hmm. then it i think rejuvenates the fear of the mist because at first i think you're just afraid of this particular creature that may or may not be out there. But then you realize, oh, it's just 
no it's no man's land out there like nobody knows what's out there and that's almost equally as terrifying as just knowing that there are certain Mm -hmm. creatures out there right knowing what you're up against because yeah i would i would be sitting there thinking is there something worse than this Mm -hmm. and if there is i don't want to go up against it i mean if i had to choose i'm sitting there when i was watching it i thought which one if i was in this situation which one would i hope to get killed by and which one would i least want to get killed by Mm -hmm. i think that the wasp would be i would i would if i had to choose i would want to really sally seemed like she was struggling with that one she did but to me in my head i'm thinking i would rather almost just die of suffocation it seems like a super advanced allergic reaction Mm -hmm. and i feel like i would almost rather die from suffocation than the other ways just seem so slow maybe i feel like larry might do you right larry seems like he's he's kind of quick with it when he decides to kill you but you have to hope that larry is gonna cut you in the right spot where you die right away oh that's true you know what i mean that's true if he grabs you if he grabs you right in the middle cuts you right at your torso like uh the biker guy Mm -hmm. then yeah you're you're gonna be dead right away but what if he grabs you by like your legs and just cut the bottom of your legs off and then ate you. Yeah. I'm, look, none none of the options are very nice. You know, I love the option of none of the above, but I do right. think that from what we saw, I got to go with hit. Larry. Yeah. Cause no, that's fair. Cause absolutely not the spiders. 100% never the spiders. Uh, right for me the wasp looked very painful and like tentacle monster the issue is every Mm. time that tentacle slapped you it was taking a bite out of you right and that to me is far worse than anything larry's gonna do to you outside with them crab claws tentacles at the bottom as well for me only because he was still alive (laughs) when he got pulled out and he had already been yeah had at least three chunks and the thing about it is you knew because by when it pulled it out it had multiple tentacles wrapped around him and you knew all of those were eating him while dragging him yep now that one looked real bad like i don't know i almost want to say that could have been the worst one but the spiders are pretty damn bad (laughs) the spiders are really bad with the spiders you would have to hope that it would just maybe cut you in the right spot where you die right away right like uh the guy who got it on his leg and Mm -hmm. he died before the other guy got fucked up the guy that got it on his face like no thank you but the other guy that got it on his leg obviously it looked like it really hurt but it looked like he died just from bleeding out Mm -hmm. and so was already dead at that point um but yeah, the spiders and the tentacle monster are at the bottom of my list. Oh, absolutely. Still, I still think I'm holding on to the to the wasp only because even though it looked painful what was happening to her, it also looked like it happened really fast. That's fair. Like, it, it was a minute tops of her having that, her neck swell up. That's, that's fair. But I feel like circling back, the biggest thing, not the biggest thing, but key thing here is just that the monster designs are really really dope and like even yes. for something that was in 2007 um none of the effects were distracting by any means like the character or the characters the creatures looked real enough that the danger presented felt real felt gritty mm-hmm. and they were all unique enough in design 
that although terrifying in their own right, they were intriguing to look at because you want to like see all the different mm-hmm. aspects of them. And I like that, for instance, the tentacle monster operated in a different way than I think we see or we have seen other monsters operate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I also like because we later find out that all of these creatures are from different dimensions mm-hmm. and that they unwillingly or not unwillingly, they unknowingly opened the door big enough that pe- that they were able to kind of fall into our world due to the storm. Mm-hmm. And what I like about that is it's, is it's very clear, I feel like, that, yeah, they're in this new world, and so they're still going to act on their nature of just getting food. But I like that for some of them, it just seems like they're still operating the way that they would. Like with the pterodactyls, like, their concern is eating those bugs because that's their food. That's what they do in their dimension. The grocery store just so happened to be there. Mm -hmm. Um, But, and yeah, if they... Yeah, well, that one guy like gets gets killed by by the pterodactyl one, but that's not their concern. They're yeah. just kind of confused and running around and, and like, like flying around, like because they don't really know what's going on. But yeah, and then the tentacle monster also does is different. And then even that really big monster we see, it's just kind of walking around. Yeah, it's like it's not pain. It's like, it doesn't give a damn about anything down there. Can't even see the stuff down there. Right. So it's like. I don't care what's going on. I'm just here now. Yeah, it's like I've been here two days. I don't know. I don't know what's going on <laughs> I don't here. Even I don't know, know where I, know I am. Place. I don't even know if I like this place <laughs> yet. <laughs> um, but all right, moving into what a lot of people consider the most important and memorable aspect of this movie, which is the ending bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most people across the board enjoy this ending but did you have any like specific feelings about it did anything ring a little bit differently this time around also did you remember the ending because i remember oh yeah parts of it but i didn't remember every single bit of it like i remember the last last bit but i didn't remember like going up like back to his house and all that stuff that i did not oh. remember yes yes i do remember the ending i always remembered him going back to his house because i always remembered that his wife died by the spiders and i always thought man that really sucks Mm. but also yeah it's it's just such a shitty scenario because she really never had a chance with that big hole in their window it's she never stood a chance really Mm -hmm. and so i did always remember that i did forget that she was like strung out outside which feels but i mean it makes sense because she probably was out in the front like picking trying to clean their yard up yeah uh, because all they had all that debris in their yard so it makes sense that she was probably like out there trying to like fix some stuff up when it happened but i did remember that and then i always remember the ending i did forget i and I often do every time I go back. I do. I did forget that there is a lot of time where they kind of decide that that's what they're going to do. And I yeah. also always forget that Billy wakes up. Mm. Okay. Before it happens. I always forget that. Got you. For me, like, I, it's been a while since I saw this movie. And, like, I always remember him getting out of the car and then all the stuff approaching and like the misclearing and all that stuff. Like I always remember that 
but I don't know if it's a mental block or if it's just lack of memory that like I forget about the circumstances that lead up to that moment um because I'm always just like oh he could have got saved like that's what I remember about this movie is like if you just wait a little bit you could have gotten saved but like I had forgotten about just the sheer journey that they took to get there just from like finding their way out of the grocery store to you know going and seeing his home to just driving for however long the gas is going to take them like a, a lot of that stuff was um was uh, missing from my memory banks but man this ending is absolutely br brutal and like i think the best possible way where it's like mm -hmm. it's not often i think movies really will just punch you in the gut like that with with their endings but i really feel like the mist does not pull that punch it really does know what it's trying to do it makes a choice and it makes a choice that is very grounded in logic and reason and i think that's what makes it even more like tragic because like mm -hmm. you can't be mad at the choice that was made but it's just like damn if you had waited three like more minute. minutes yeah. you know like fuck right it and it's so i guess i always forget and i really realized it this time i guess like i said i forget that billy wakes up before mm -hmm. he shoots him but I'd almost felt like because he was asleep, it added a ticking clock more than the monsters themselves. Because I could imagine as a father not wanting him to see that Happen. as his last thing and not wanting him to be awake for it, wanting him to be asleep. Mm -hmm. And so I almost wonder if there was that that feeling of I need to hurry up and do this. But also, too, there's this there's this sensation of if we sit and think about this for too long. Are we going to go through with this? Yeah. If we sit here and wait on it and debate it, will we still have the nerve to go through? And I almost feel like if I sit here for him, it's like if I sit here, what if my son wakes up? What if he's mm -hmm. asking me questions? What if this happens? It almost just feels better to just hurry up and bite the bullet. I mean, for real, because in in the grand scheme of things, for him why wait yeah why wait a minute two minutes three minutes i have the bullets i have the gun why should i wait and so it's yeah it makes so much sense character wise you wouldn't why would they sit there and wait and as far as they've known they've had two days of sitting there thinking oh someone's gonna come and save us and mm -hmm. heard heard nothing seen nothing military people took their own lives they yeah. should know more than we know so yeah, it makes sense that he would be like, let's just hurry up and get this over with. It's obviously a heartbreaking scenario. And also, too, for him, he's like, shit, I got to figure something out myself when I'm yeah. done with this. But it sucks. Yeah. Um, I mean, also, I think it's really impressive. Now, I didn't count, but according to the IMDb, um, this is a six shot revolver. And uh, supposedly, if you count the shots during the movie, they are accurate to the amount of bullets that were had. So I think that's a mm. great touch um but yeah it makes a lot of sense that it, they would make that decision when they made that decision it mm -hmm. just doesn't make it any less heartbreaking to just know that literally moments afterwards help was on its way it just it hurts it hurts it so sucks. much and 
I love the performance given here um, by Thomas Jane, just because, like, it's not your typical weeping, sobbing, crying scene. Like, it's pain. Mm -hmm. And, like, you, I think you really do see in this character of just, like, the pain of what they just had to do. Mm -hmm. it, it's beyond sadness. I think it's beyond grief. It's just, like, emptiness. almost shock at that point. Emptiness, yeah. shock. And so... You know, he's standing outside that car just waiting for death to come and be like, all right, free me from this momentary terror that I had to just experience for myself. Like, let me get some relief from this. Let me get a release. And then he doesn't get it. Mm -hmm. He has to live with that shit. And it just feels like it feels unfair because, you know, this character has just been looking out for people basically the entire length of this movie. So it almost feels like He's getting punished, mm -hmm. um, which does not sit well because it goes with the ideology of, of Miss Biblical Stories. But um, also, I, I read that apparently they thought about having people from the from the grocery store like on the on the trucks coming mm -hmm. back. Uh, but they only couldn't do it because a lot of the actors had already Moved been wrapped on. and left yeah. already. <laughs> But man, could you could you imagine the slap in the face? Not only see Miss, I'm gonna go get my kids on that truck, but then all the people who were against him just get carted off to safety. I I would have lost it. That if may the have been butcher too much was just me. sitting up there, <laughs> just tap dancing like I made it. Baby. Da -da -da. He's like drinking milk too, because that's what Miss <laughs> Comedy was drinking. Also, I love that like villains drink milk and they just gave her an entire an entire bottle of yeah. milk. It's like you get you get the message. Like, I know that was warm. Cause she's looked <laughs> like she'd been sitting there for a minute. I was like, I know that milk's on the the verge of spoiling. <laughs> but also I was going back, I think you're right about the shots because Ollie shoots twice in the first attack. Mm -hmm. And then he shoots twice with in the spider room. And then he shoots her twice. So that's six. Mm -hmm. And then okay. that leaves four bullets. Because they had ten. They had ten. They had ten total? When, yeah, or I think that they had ten. Yeah, or something. They didn't have very many. I, because I remember she pulled out the two, the two, um, uh, I don't know what they're called because I'm not a gun person. But she had Boxes. two things of ammo for this revolver. Yeah. Um. So that would be 12, oh, 12. I think. Okay, so I'm yeah. missing two shots. But I do remember he might have shot more in the in that first attack. Because I do think he also shot a bug, potentially. Maybe. He was, uh, and he was quite a sharpshooter. So he, he didn't miss. He never <laughs> missed. What he shot at, he hit. So it's, yeah, missing a target. But yeah, he was he was hitting all them shots. But yeah, but go yeah. back and count. Corner IMDb. They yeah. were uh, blitly accurate. <laughs> um, but yeah, I agree. He has this kind of reaction of it's just like numbness. It's yeah. he's screaming. There's emotion there. But you can tell that he's so exhausted mm -hmm. physically, emotionally by everything that has happened. And I think for some people, maybe this is not going to this performance particularly the ending might not feel true or like ring or be what you're wanting as a release and i'm not gonna lie i've like gone back and forth with that feeling i feel like i used to not like his reaction mm -hmm. um 
I still, it's like, it's not my favorite reaction that I've ever seen in a movie, even still. But I will say, I do think that there are some really amazing, like the silences and the pauses that he takes between the screams, I actually think are my favorite. I actually think mm-hmm. I prefer those to the actual screams. Um, I hear you. Those like moments he takes in between where he's like looking around and it's almost like he's like, you, you can tell in his face, it's this feeling of, this can't be real. There's no way. What was the point? I there's I can't believe I did that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And before having to release it again in some kind of way. And for that, it's and for him, it's screaming. Now he does cry as well, but I think most of his release is kind of like a a disbelief. Yeah. And uh, an anger that that all of this has happened and that in the end it could have been different. Um, Mm -hmm. But as a result of a decision that he once again made, he was once again forced to make it's the way that it is. It's like, and it sucks too, because yeah, all of his decision-making, not that they weren't like for the better and like, they weren't trying to do good, but like every time he made a decision, people died. Yeah. <laughs> like people died every single time. And so like he has just a a list in his mind now of just people who he started this journey with that are no longer there. And although not directly his fault, indirectly, he did lead them to their death. And I mm-hmm. think that that knowledge on top of knowing that he's lost his wife, he had to kill his own kid along with people that he's grown close to. Like that's a lot. That's yeah. a lot. That's, I don't know how many sessions of therapy that's going to take, but that's a lot. Therapy. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> <Shoot>. <laughs> but also at the same time, I think about it and I and you have to say. What does this future look like? Mm. You know, it, say everybody had survived. Mm-hmm. What is the future after something like this? Right. Where do you go? from here do you have how do you get past something like this happening and i always wonder that because yeah the fate of the people in the grocery store is left pretty ambiguously we don't really know what happens to them we last see them still in the grocery store but presumably it'll be a few hours or so before they get rescued Mm -hmm. will they be okay kind of a thing so you don't really know what that fate is but even for the people in the grocery store, I mean, they really kind of Lord of the flies it where they completely fell back into an uncivilized nature mm-hmm. and did some horrible, terrible things. You don't have a community after that. You no. don't have that same community. Things are never going to be the same. Now, granted, this entire town is gone. It is ablaze. (laughs) They are (laughs) charring this place down. So it's not like anybody would stay in this town. But yeah, it's like, what is the future like for a situation like this? And is the door closed? Oh, yeah. Like, because we don't. We don't get any closure on that, right? We get a closure right. on our main plot line of what's going to happen to David and crew, but not mm-hmm. anything in the grand scale of like, okay, what's the deal with this 
interdimensional portal though like did we handle that situation or not like that's true and like i like that we don't get answers for that i think that's the best way i think sitting with david in his grief in the last moments is just the way to end this um and i think it's a pro that we don't find out and that that part is left up to your own decision making because I, I think the blanket answer is there really isn't. There isn't really like a, an immediate future for David or I think for a lot of the people of this town. There's, pro- mm-hmm. there's probably a distant future for them in some capacity, but they're all clearly going to be changed forever from this experience. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, that town is done. That, they may as well just take that off the map. That don't exist yeah. no more. Go ahead and X that off all the maps. And it's and it's things like that where you think about it and it's and the people. Yeah, the people's futures of this who's who are going to be changed. Sally, for instance, how she said her parents were out of town. They have no idea any of this stuff is going on. Mm-hmm. And she's gone now. Amanda's husband out of town. He has no idea any of this stuff is going on. It's all of these people's lives who are being affected by this this thing and and david is just one of them who is severely affected by this situation but yeah it's a great it's a really really bleak ending Mm -hmm. but a great ending because i i do think it really holds true to the rest of the film because at the end of the day in a way, our characters really have survived against odds that if they weren't the main characters, they wouldn't have survived. But I do think that this is a movie where really no one is safe. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of reminds me of The Walking Dead in that sense of everybody is kind of fair game. And there's no way of knowing that anybody is going to be okay. And weirdly... For some of our characters, it's it's a tragic, it's like a tragic ending because we know that they were so close to safety in some capacity. But at the same time, would it have been better for this not to be the ending and for them to have just continued driving? I feel mm. like that would have been almost just as bad because your assumption would be that they never found help. And then right. also, too, I feel like if they had just found them and they had gotten helped... I don't think that that match would match the tone of the rest of the film either. So it's like, it's the perfect ending because it's so just unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I love it for that reason. Thank you for pulling at my heartstrings, tugging them out, ripping them in half and handing them back to me. You are, um, you are thanked the mist. <laughs> um, but I think that covers everything i have to say um i think the last one being that um a fun fact that i also read on imdb is apparently at the end when they're flamethrowering shit um that flamethrower was made by the effects department using parts from home depot don't let that give you guys any ideas but just know (laughs) it's a home depot brand (laughs) flamethrower and you know what's so scary about that ending bit too when they're flamethrowing it's like you can see that those spiders were really wreaking havoc because that's what they're burning down is like all the spider webs and and the eggs and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, God, that's the thing that I would be scared of. How do you make sure you got all those spiders? The small little baby ones? 
How do yeah, you make sure that you got them? We saw a lot of babies. We saw a lot of babies get get birthed. A lot of babies, and that is where I would think you need you better make sure you got every single one of them spiders, because mm-hmm. I feel like that would be very very easy <laughs> to just overpopulate the earth. Is that whereas i feel like the other ones that are bigger it's it's easier you you know that you got them you can see them whatever but the little mm-hmm. little baby spiders uh-uh Mm-mm. hit them with the nuke just blow at this point just blow main up because <laughs> you According got to it. stephen king <laughs> main has it main is like the hell mouth apparently <laughs> according to stephen king everything that is evil is birth dare, but also some delicious seafood. So true. Pros and cons. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Erica, what are we going to rate the mist out of today? Oh gosh. Um, we could rate it out of uh, toilet confessionals. Oh, toilet confessionals might be I'm like, I can't think of it. <laughs> I can't think oh, of yeah, anything. I'm, like, I'm thinking of like things that were in there. Uh, spider belly babies Ew. that's just for alliteration Ew. <laughs> no uh, ollie headshots i don't know i think toilet confessionals yeah all right let's just go with that then okay uh you want to go first or you want me to go first Ooh, uh, i'll go first Ooh, okay spicy Ooh, hit me with hey. it what you gonna rate this out of i that I am going to rate the mist. Mm-hmm. I'm teeter tottering between two different ones. I have a number in my head, and I wonder if it's the same one. Because I think I'm going to give it five toilet confessionals out of five. Ooh, okay. I almost was going to go with a four point nine. Okay. Because I don't want to say like. There's something about this movie where I I think, oh, this could have been better. And what it is for me is I think what it, I'm not always a fan of the shooting style. There's like a yeah. very. So actually, I, I do think I am going to give it a 4.9 totally confessionals out of five because okay. I didn't talk about it too, too much while we were conversing. But there is a shooting style in this. It's a choice. It's not my favorite. It's it, at, mm. at certain times. It's just it feels like a lot. It feels like very reality TV. Um, I hear. Yeah, I know what you're talking and about. And it's not bad for the most part. It works for the most part. I love the directional style in this. But at certain times, it falters back into that choice. And it tears me out of the movie. Because other than that, I am in the story. I am in this town. I am with these people. I am with these monsters. I love the setting. I love the characters. I think the acting is really great. It's particularly the side performances I think are are awesome. And this story of civilization unraveling due to the circumstances fits so well in this like small town America feel. I also love this idea of unnatural circumstances coming from natural occurrences like things where there's weird things happen from storms or fog or mist i love that i think that it really plays on this irrational fear that a lot of people have where it's not just that 
like it's the natural like there's this huge storm and like that would be your worry but i like Mm -hmm. that it plays on this irrational bit of you where it's like but what if things were worse than this what if there is something else I love that. So for the most part, this movie, to me, I am never disappointed when I come back to this movie. But if I had to dock it for anything, and if there's anything that's keeping it from being perfect to me, mm-hmm. it's just the camera movements at time, at times are a little wonky for my for my liking. So okay. for that, I will give it a 4.9 toilet confessionals out of five. Okay, cool. I think that was not the number, by the way, <laughs> but <laughs> um, I think I will actually give The Mist 4.8 out of 5 mm-hmm. uh, toilet confessionals. A lot of the same reasons. Um, there are no big faults about this movie to me. Um, I think across the board, the story plays out very well. I think all, like you said, the cast does a great job of taking the story and elevating it just through the performances. I think the creature designs are absolutely phenomenal, even for something that is a, quite a few years old at this point. I think everything still holds up very well. I think the fear factor of the situation and the creatures that they are dealing with also hold up very well. And like you said, speak to a lot of truths that I think we all feel as human beings. Um, for me, the biggest reason why it's not a five out of five is mostly just because there are some character choices, which I know are are there for a reason that just irk me <laughs> so much that it distracts me from the plot. And it's just like there's very few, like the Nort situation and that and whatnot. They're there, but like overall, this movie is phenomenal. Um I echo all the people who think this is one of the best endings of all time because I do think for the story presented and for the way that it plays out, this ending is just perfect. Like I would not swap any bit of this ending or the sequences leading up to it. And so, yeah, overall, this movie's freaking fantastic. Yeah. I love The Mist. Um, and yeah, 4.8 out of 5 Toilet Confessionals. Also, I just want to say um, for Lori Holden, Amanda is one of my favorite characters also um, just in general in like horror. I love her character. I think she's awesome. And I just wanted to give props to her because I am not a fan of um, Andrea in The Walking Dead, who she also plays. (laughs) But I love this character. And so I wanted to give her her props because usually I'm talking shit about (laughs) Andrea. (laughs) But Amanda, awesome character. (laughs) Hell yes. But we would love to know your opinions on The Mist. You can talk to us on our social media. We are homies of horror on everything. Or if you prefer to come into the Discord, it is where we hang out with the homies, talk a little bit more in depth, and we have some conversations about all things in general. If that sounds like something you would be interested in, then you can find the link for that in our social media bios. You can also email us. You can email us requests, recommendations, and business inquiries. We are homiesofhorror at gmail.com. If you are listening to this on the day that it came out that means it's monday that means we are streaming on twitch tonight we will be playing some spooky games hanging out with the homies chit-chatting having some drinks and we hope to see you there if you'd like to come through the link for that is also in our social media bios 
And last, but certainly not least, if you are so inclined, we would very much appreciate it if you would leave us a rating or a review. You can do both on Apple Podcasts. The more we get, the better. Recommends our show to more people. And also, we like to know what you guys are thinking of the show. So if you have an Apple account and haven't done that, we would love for you to. Or... If this is on Spotify, you can just go ahead and rate us, go to our name, hit the stars underneath, and that will leave the rating for you. But thank you so much again for hanging out with us today, homies, as we dove into the mist. And we cannot wait to see you guys next Monday for another spooky episode. Catch you next time, homies. Bye.